Take a look at sports. The Red Sox are in Cincinnati tonight taking on the Reds at 640. Zidane Chara announcing his retirement after playing 24 NHL seasons and captaining the Boston Bruins to the Stanley Cup in 2011. I learned a lot from all my teammates on all of the teams I played for on and off the ice. But some of the best memories are with the teammates that we were able to reach the ultimate goal of winning Stanley Cup together in 2011. Bringing the cup home to Boston and its fans created an unbreakable bond that we will share for the rest of our lives. And Charo, a candidate for the Hockey Hall of Fame. We've got uh, Josh Nichols' latest forecast. He's in for Rob Gilman, and that's brought to you by Life Care Center of the South Shore. They're looking to hire full-time, part-time, and per diem nurses and nursing assistants for all shifts. Contact them directly or visit lifecarecareers.com. Hi, I'm Kathy Beam from Life Care Center of the South Shore. We are proud, once again, to be named one of U.S. News and World Report's Best Nursing Homes. Only 13% of skilled nursing facilities earn this title, and Life Care Center of the South Shore is one of them. U.S. News and World Report, the global authority in healthcare rankings, combines comprehensive information about safety, care, compliance, and clinical outcomes. The care we provide at Life Care Center of the South Shore can be as short as a few days or weeks after a hospitalization or years for aging family members who can no longer live on their own. Choosing the right facility is important. The past two years have been difficult, but Life Care Center of the South Shore is proud to be recognized for our continuing excellent care. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 781-545-1370. That's 781-545-1370. Life Care Center of the South Shore, doing whatever it takes and then some. An active weather pattern across the South Shore as a potent cold front heads our way heading into later Wednesday night and Thursday morning. Behind that front... We have a fall air mass to talk about for the end of the week. And going into the weekend, I think we've got some beautiful weather to look forward to. But in the meantime, for this evening and into tonight, we'll look for plenty of clouds, some areas of fog, a little bit of drizzle, a couple of showers as well. The overnight low temperature into the mid-50s. Tomorrow starts with clouds, ends with sunshine. We'll find the breeze coming in out of the north, the high temperature in the low 70s. And then on Thursday, plan on scattered showers and thundery downpours as a potent cold front heads our way. The high temperature for Thursday in the mid-70s. For WATD, I'm meteorologist Josh Nichols. Right now looking at 61 degrees outside our South Shore Studio 613. That's local news. I'm Christine James. Stay tuned for Talk Real Estate with Sharon McNamara right here on 95.9 WATD. Now, Talk Real Estate with Sharon McNamara. Sponsored by Boston Connect Real Estate Services. Hi, I'm Sharon McNamara, and you are listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable. Let me share a little bit about my background before we get started. I am the broker owner of Boston Connect Real Estate, a boutique real estate firm that is home to over 30 real estate sales and marketing consultants who service home buyers and home sellers throughout Boston, the South Shore, the South Coast, and Cape Cod. Our firm takes pride in assisting our clients in the next chapter of their lives by taking a holistic approach to their real estate endeavors. We believe that every move should be a moving experience. Every week, my real estate team member, Mary Baker, and I, along with the director of Boston Connect Real Estate, Melissa Wallace, provide you with our unique marketing approach to selling homes and share with you our expertise in navigating the home buying process. We like to mix it up sometimes, so not only will you hear our perspective on real estate topics, 
but you will hear the expert thoughts and opinions of some of our real estate agents at Boston Connect Real Estate and the preferred professionals that we trust. Be part of our roundtable. If you have any questions during the show, please call 781-837-4900. We'd love to talk real estate. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and wherever you listen to podcasts at Talk Real Estate Roundtable. If you would like a one-on-one consultation with me and my team or one of the dedicated agents at Boston Connect Real Estate to discuss your real estate needs, you can connect with us at bostonconnect.com or 781-826-8000. Now, sit back, relax, take good notes, and let's talk real estate. And hello to all my South Shore neighbors. You are listening to Talk Real Estate Roundtable. My name is Melissa Wallace, and I am joined in studio by the one, the only, Sharon McNamara. Hello, hello. Hello. Sharon's getting us all set up on Facebook. Um, So we're going to be live on Facebook. We are live. We're live. Okay, well, it's time for me to share it all. Um, but yeah, we're but we are live. We're live today on yes, Tuesday. We we're, we're back in our studio though. Last last Tuesday we were at WATD. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. It's so long ago. That was <laughs> really fun though, does. hanging out with George, right? Yeah, it was. It sure was. We, uh, yeah, it, mm-hmm. yeah. It was a different. It was like a different vibe. It brought me back to a couple of years ago when we used to have to go in there every every week, <laughs> and now we're live here twice a week. So well, we would used to go in there on two wheels. On by two the way. wheels, yeah. <laughs> we still we come down the stairs on two wheels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was, our studio. it was a lot of fun. WATD had their open house last week, um, and there were lots of people there, and they had all kinds of food and treats, and I stayed away from the cookies, so that was good news. And then we got to hang out in studio with George, so what could be better than that? What could be better? Nothing could be better, I mm-hmm. guess. Well, tonight we are live in our home studio here at our office at Boston Connect Real Estate, of course, the sponsor of our show, Talk Real Estate Roundtable. If you are in the area near Pembroke Center and you want to see our studio and you want to see us live and maybe come ask us some questions about real estate, we are happy to have you as a guest. So feel free to stop on by. Um, We've been doing a lot of planning, so stay tuned and listen in on Tuesdays this time 6 15 to 7 and every saturday morning from 10 a.m to 11 a.m to hear about some upcoming events that we have coming on uh and going on in the area so we're having a big meeting tomorrow to discuss some of our events i feel like we'll have more details for saturday if yeah we're here saturday right yeah we're here saturday as far as i can tell (laughs) i think so (laughs) george do you have a dog no i don't why Well, you might want to borrow one because I'm just going to give a little hint of one of the things we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing a Halloween um, party here at the office, but we're going to be doing a dog parade so people can dress up their dogs and we're going to have like a contest, you know, for top, you know, costume and we're going to have other vendors here. So if you are a vendor out there and you have anything related to dogs and pets and stuff like that, uh, give us a ring and... um, let us know about it because if you want to have a table, uh, we're going to be setting up some vendor tables. Um, there's no charge for the vendor table. The only thing we're going to ask is that you have a bowl of candy so the kiddies uh, who do come, the kiddos, can uh, go trick or treating around yeah, at not all the, the tables. Kiddies. The kiddos. Not the kitties. No, I don't know why I said kitties. <laughs> but the kiddos can go trick-or-treating. So if you are interested in that, feel free to give us a call uh, at the office. 781-826-8000 is that phone number. So any of you dog vendors out there, if you want to give some gift cards or you know have a table or anything to promote your business, we're happy to help support our local businesses. That's We'd love what we to hear from here. you. Yeah, we would love to hear from you. Yeah. 
Give us a give us a call. Yeah. <laughs> Here are my digits: seven eight one eight two six eight thousand. Yeah, we had quite a few callers last week, so that was fun. Yeah, that, that was one fun. woman. What was her name? Was it Lisa? Uh, didn't we get two women? Yeah, I believe or, so. I yeah, we got two women. Yeah. And are we yeah. supposed to send her a gift card? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we have to, but we didn't get her address. We only yeah. got her phone number or something. I don't remember. All right, we have, we have to remember that. Yeah, we've got to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you sent me the message, like, right after. I'm like, oh, i got to go home and celebrate Dexter's birthday. Yes. That was yes. last Tuesday, so we had a little birthday party for yeah. Dexter. But it was, um, yeah, she was fun. I liked her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was yeah. Lisa from Norwell. Lisa from Norwell. That was good of you, George, to remember. So tonight we're going to, you know what? I know fall's your jam. Fall mm-hmm. is my jam. I'm in a fall outfit today. Um, yeah. um, you're in a fall outfit too. I am, so. sort of. Yeah. I mean, I put on a sweater, so I mean, it must be real. <laughs> uh, but I actually am feeling the fall vibe a little bit. I was up in Vermont uh, over the weekend, and Mark and I went bike riding. It did 20 miles. Yeah, just bragging. Nice. Ugh, yeah, just did 20 miles. Just 20 on the bike. miles. Not yeah, a big deal. one way. You know, 10, 10 miles one way means you have to come back the other way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, unless you get like a bus or something. Yeah. Uh, bring you back. There was a part of me that was like, how much? Can you get an Uber that has a bike rack? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. There's yeah, a service for everything. It really is. <laughs> um, but it was absolutely beautiful up there. No foliage yet, but um, I'm in the mood for some apple crisp, if I can find a Weight Watchers recipe, because I'm also doing that. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to share before we get into our topic? Oh, <laughs> uh, no. I don't even know. Yeah, I'm in another world right now. So uh, fall being our jam. I was going somewhere with that. Yeah. Uh, tonight, we thought that we would talk about fall maintenance. If you're thinking about putting your home on in the fall market, uh, it's a very, very good market. And again, inventory is still very low. You're better off to be one of less inventory than one of much inventory. I say it all the time. Yeah. Um, but we're going to go through some of our fall uh, October tips. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we're still in September. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did I say October? Yeah. Uh, I'm thinking fall, fall in general. Fall maintenance You tips. know why? I said October because I was actually thinking about Oktoberfest beer. Oh. <laughs> you don't even like beer. I know. I'm not really right. a beer drinker, beer but I with, like that. Beer with us, everybody, because we're going to be off the walls tonight, apparently. Um, but speaking of some walls, uh, we'll, we'll talk about fall maintenance tips for your walls, I suppose. But we are going to be talking about top fall maintenance tips, whether you are thinking of putting your house on the market or maybe just maintaining your home until you are ready to put your house on the market. Maybe it's in the spring. Um, But like we've said before, the time to sell your house is when you're ready. So um, you haven't missed a market. You are going into a new one is like what we like to say. And we said that a couple of weeks ago when we we're saying yeah. we're talking about, oh, did I miss the market? And well, mm-hmm. which market are you talking about? The market from 2010? Yes, you missed that. Um, <laughs> yeah, luckily, luckily, <laughs> luckily you missed that. Luckily However, missed that now we're now we're in 2022. Yeah. So um, but yeah, so why don't we do want to work our way from the outside in or yeah. how do you want to do it? Yeah, I think that sounds good. Let's we'll start okay. from the outside in. So one of the things, too. So we're going to have a little bit of a mixture here of, you know, top maintenance tips and some ideas when you are putting your house on the market. Uh, Also, if you want to ask us a question that's off topic to this topic, feel free to call us or if you just have some questions about this topic, feel free. George will get you through to us, 781-837-4900 and we will be able to get you through, um, you know, and ask your questions. So we hope we have some more more callers tonight. Um, So let's start on the outside. So... 
let's see. If I was taking on a new listing with a client and I would start like on the outside and just like sort of looking around, I think it's really nice, like from, I guess, a staging perspective. I mean, we always say curb appeal is the number one appeal to getting mm-hmm. someone in your house. It's mm-hmm. like love at first sight, right? Yeah. So, um, which happens. I'm just thinking about love at first sight. And then I was like, <laughs> you looked at me, I'm like, I, I, I have not experienced love at first sight. <laughs> well, I was just thinking, I mean, can love at first sight really happen with somebody that you don't find attractive? I don't know, but we have to stick to our topic. No, this is very much on topic because, what? because like, am I going to fall in love with a house if I think it's ugly? <laughs> Um, you can, you can do what I try to do and find the good in people and find the good in the home. <laughs> However, it doesn't always work out. Nobody has an ugly baby. I know I say that all the time too. All right. So, all right. So the first thing I would do is I would just make sure, you know, Hey, this is a perfect time to get some moms. We have to get our moms around here. I'm going to do mine this weekend actually at my house. So, you know, just some nice colorful mums or some plants or something like that. Again, this is if you're selling your house, this isn't a maintenance tip. Um, so I would just like make sure that that's all freshened up when you're doing stuff. Now, is your mom already calling us? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's telling me I to take a nap. I, I can't even look at that because, she, yeah, I just can't. <laughs> Stop texting me, mom. Um, so, yes. So that would be that would be a cosmetic thing. So yeah. why don't you give people a maintenance tip? Yeah, so um, we've talked about this several times on the show, but Sharon, something that you did a year or two ago was you took a walk around your home. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds so simple and like, seriously, that's a tip. Well... (laughs) There's a whole part of <laughs> I have another tip. Don't eat yellow snow. <laughs> you have to walk around your house. I'm trying to stay on topic. You have to walk around your house because Sharon has a side of her house in the side yard where her chimney is mm-hmm. from her fireplace that she never goes to. The dogs don't go over there. She doesn't ever set anything up there. Nothing. The, Nothing. Uh, the, lawn, the lawnmower goes on that side. That's about it. The sprinkler system goes off. You know, it's not, <laughs> nothing else goes on over there. But she took a walk around and noticed that she had a huge crack down her chimney. Like, it was a massive crack, by the way. Like, the whole thing could have came crumbling down. Yeah. So, I would say my tip is to think of somewhere or around your house that you never really go to or you haven't gone in six months. You know, it could be the attic. People don't go into the attic until they're looking for something that's Mm -hmm. up there. Well, you might not know that there's an issue up there or maybe a critter living up there. Yeah. Sometimes (laughs) you you hear the critters, but a lot of times you don't hear the critters and they can do a lot of damage other than just leaving droppings. A lot of times they're getting into wires and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's inside. So I'm going to stay on topic and we're still outside. But I I do think that it's really important though, as you're saying, go to the areas that you normally don't go to. Mm -hmm. Like you said, I never go to that side of my house. And I guess it's just sort of getting your mindset into really, really discovering your property Mm -hmm. and knowing what's going on with your property because, I mean, it's important. Well, now I'm thinking you have built a a three-car garage, detached garage. How often do you go on the backside of that garage? Hardly ever. Okay, so uh, my challenge to you is maybe not after we leave here. It might still be bright out, but maybe in the morning, 
go behind your garage and see if you can see anything. Mm -hmm. And I really do think it's one of those things. I mean, here's going to be one of my tips that, you know, grab a notebook and spend a day in an afternoon going through your own home. Pretend you're giving yourself a little home inspection. And if you haven't had a home inspection before... We talk about it enough. (laughs) Shame on you. (laughs) Yeah, you you can pretend. I mean, literally, you're going through every room and every part of the exterior of your home, and you want to just look. So another maintenance tip, this actually came up. I was helping helping somebody purchase a home uh, down in Katamit, which is down the Cape, and, you know, had the home inspection yesterday, and beautiful, beautiful landscaping at this home, and it's more mature plantings. Mm -hmm. Well, with mature plantings, they get big. You just want to make sure that you're sort of bringing those away from the house, especially when a lot of snow falls. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't want all that snow to pile up on the trees and then to fall yeah. right up against the house and then get water. Well, plus if you have windows to the basement that are, you know, right right there. Yep. Um, you know, you don't want to cause any more damage or harm than it needs to be. So mm-hmm. pull that back. Um, and we've talked about like mulch and and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, like pulling it back to make sure that, because it's not just the snow and the water damage, it's the critters that live in that too oh, yeah you know absolutely so i was showing a house today to somebody that somebody I'm, I'm sort of close to and um i was showing this house and you know you i always have good eyes on but um i saw something where it looked like there was a sump pump and then there was like a hose that was coming out of there and then it was partly covered with leaves and mm-hmm. i i you know, I really like my client, so I went over there and pushed away those leaves with mm-hmm. my foot. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, you know, just to see what was under there. But I did think, oh, I wonder if there's a mouse or something down there. Um, oh. So continuing on on the outside, um, I would, you know, not only look down. So you're looking down near your foundation, mm. looking for any cracks or anything that may have happened over the, the over the summer. Um, then you also want to look up. up. Yeah. Right. So. We know that a terrible um, hurricane just went through. What was the name of it? Fiona? I think Fiona. I think Fiona. Um, A terrible hurricane just went through Puerto Rico. But sometimes those hurricanes travel up this way. So you want to keep your eyes on. So when you're outside, look up as well. And if you have any branches that are hanging over your house or any loose branches, I would say that you would hire a professional to take those down. Don't take the risk to put a ladder up there and try to do it yourself. Just hire somebody to do it. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Still on the outside? Yeah. I'm not even looking at that list. I'm just going to rat. You want to see how many I get? Oh, yeah. All right, so the other one would be your gutters. Mm -hmm. So you want to just inspect your gutters and, you know, make sure that those are all cleaned out. One of the things, we never know how much snow we're going to get until we've gotten it. Yeah. So you don't want your gutters filled with debris because then the snow piles up on top of that and then that can cause ice dams as it's melting. And that goes back to your point. I mean, you're really smart about that is... Don't you have to worry about the outside damage, but that's also going to cause damage inside. Yeah. Um, also, just staying on water is you know winterizing your um, irrigation system. Mm-hmm. If you have an irrigation system, obviously, if you have um, a pool, you know, making mm-hmm. sure that that's closed properly. Um, <clears throat> and what is it that you say about the hose? Uh, that's oh yeah. The, just because if you have like a frost-proof silcock, so that's like the the faucet that's mm-hmm. on attached to your home. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm married to a plumber, so I hear a lot of this stuff. So if you have a frost-proof 
silcock on the exterior of your home. That's really good that you have that, but don't keep your hose connected over the winter. So you should really be, if you want to keep your hose outside for whatever reason you want it hanging on the side of your house, that's fine. Um, I say put it away, but whatever. If you do keep it there, make sure you disconnect it to the frost-proof um, connection because if water is stuck in that hose, mm-hmm. it's going to freeze up and then it's going to go back in and then it will, it can still split it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a tip. That's a, that's <laughs> that's a good a tip. tip. I'm glad that you remembered that. That was a good tip. Oh, thanks. I tried it. I try to remember some things <laughs> that we've talked about. Yeah. Um, all right. So I feel like you're frost, like you want to get inside the house, but is there any like exterior maintenance, maybe like walkways or driveways or anything that you should yeah, definitely. be weary of in, in, the, mm-hmm. in the fall months? So it was one of the things that I was actually doing earlier. I had Marley, my little Frenchie uh, here with me earlier, and I was taking her for a little walk. And I was actually looking around, like at the walkway, and I noticed a part of our driveway at the bottom of the hill is, I don't know what happened to it. Yeah. Because I never really. Not there. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what happened. Yeah. I mean, that's a newer driveway, so I don't know how that happened. But it's definitely something that I want to get taken care of before snow Mm -hmm. falls or ice falls. Oh, well, what about at your own house? You oh, yeah. did a post about that. So talk about yeah, that. Yeah, that was so interesting. Mm. So if you follow me on Instagram, I think I'm Sharon McNamara, or Sha McNamara on Instagram. You can find me on there. And sometimes I do these posts. I have a lot of these moments in my life that, you know, it's like things that makes make you, you go, go hmm. hmm. There's so many of them in my life. So the other day I went out to get the mail and we just did our driveway over. And when I mean, we didn't just like surface it. Like it was ripped up new everything put down, new brand new driveway. We also um, made our center, there's, we have a center island because we have a, um, a round, yeah, what is that called? It's just a, it's like a horseshoe half driveway. Circle. Yeah, half, half circle, circle driveway. In the front. In the front, yeah. But then you have a driveway, driveway on the side. Yeah. Yeah. But we made the island smaller and because we wanted it smaller just for easier access. And then... Mark had noticed that there was like a hump, like growing. It was like, it was like we needed Dr. Pimple Popper. (laughs) (laughs) So that's all I can uh, relate it to. And it just was, it was like this thing. And I was like, wow, that's sort of weird. Like, I don't, I don't know what's causing this. Why would there be a bubble right there? Why is this bubbling? And then just last week, it was so amazing that there through that was like, a little green stem coming through. Yeah. It was just poking out of the driveway. It was poking the brand out of driveway. asphalt. Yeah. Like that is determination. Yeah. But anyways, we noticed it. I called the people who did the driveway right away because I want that repaired before the winter because mm-hmm. I don't want that to become an issue because remember, we're in New England. We're going to get snow. Someone's going to be out there plowing and I don't want them to rip up the entire driveway when yeah. that happens. Yeah, and by someone, it would be Mark because he has a plow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he has a plow, so yeah. he's the one plowing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah so I thought that was interesting. Um, that, was, that was a cool one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know about anything else. But walkways exterior. and things like that on the exterior, I think it's really important. If you have brick staircases, you know, brick um, steps going up to your front door, you know, just make sure Everything you don't have slippery. any loose. Yeah, make sure you don't have any loose if you need to remortar, uh, any of that type of stuff. You want to be really giving your house just a once over. And you know what? There are a lot of things that you're going to come across. I'm looking for safety 
and hazard. That's what I'm doing this sweep for. But this is also a good exercise of things that you just, you know, you keep on saying, oh, I, I really want that done, you know? Yeah. Do we say redirect drainage? No, but that's a very, very important one. Okay. So say uh, they, it. Re- you redirect your drainage. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Another fun tip from Melissa. <laughs> yeah. um, no, that's really important. Well, that would come into play with your gutters. Yeah. So again, I'm talking. I talk about my own house a lot because I, I'm there. You so, own it. So yeah. But the other day, so we did, when we did the driveway over, we did some work finally on the front of the house and we removed a lot of the overgrown sort of bushes and we put in some new stuff and some new mulch. And I noticed the mulch is splattering up against the house and I was like, all right, so something is leaking somewhere. Well, the condenser to our AC is up in the attic. So you want to make sure that you're checking this. We'll get into the inside, but don't let me forget this. You want to check that to make sure that that's that condenser is free and there's no water up there because you don't want that to freeze over the winter and then put it on in the spring and then you'll have problems but um i noticed there's like this drip 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 and then when we get heavy rains there is a section of our gutter that the water's coming down so i mm-hmm. said to mark well should i call a gutter company so if anybody knows of a good gutter company out there please let me know yeah um because i think that i have to replace that gutter well, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that I shut the AC off here? I did. Thank you. I have been freezing. You could <laughs> hang actually, meat in this office. I it's so cold. I finally shut it off yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, oh. um, all right. Well, yeah, I feel like, you know. Let's stick on that for a second. Though. Okay. So with the drainage, you want to make sure with the water coming down the gutters that the water actually goes out. You know what I mean? Like as it comes down, the downspouts, that they're all secured and that they go out. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of great companies that do, you know, that do gutters and, you know, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah. Call us if, you, if you're <laughs> yeah. one of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we have some, we have some work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So I, I feel like we can move inside now. I feel, yes. I feel like that's what you want to do. Yeah. You want to move in. Yeah. So, okay. So here to our listeners, if you are, um, have any questions about this topic or any other real estate topics, we are here tonight to answer those for you. We're live in our home studio, which is located right in Pembroke Center across from Stop and Shop. Um, if you're in the area and you want to say hello, come on by and say hello. The refrigerator is open so you can help yourself to a drink and see what our studio is all about. If you have any questions for us, though, call George. He's at the WATD studio in Marshfield, 781-837-4900. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Yeah, so let's move on inside. Mm -hmm. So why don't you start? Um, I would say uh, only because I was recently asked this question, and I know you were, and you referred me (laughs) to answer this question, is um, cleaning out your... um, air ducts um, because we had that done here at the yeah. office um, a couple of months ago before we turned our AC back on mm-hmm. um, but uh, one of our agents uh, Lori Reaney she was looking for one of her clients was looking for somebody to come and clean their air ducts so I went in and I got the information and stuff but that that's something that sort of I don't know I would I think to, like again I've never owned a home so like mm-hmm. I don't know how to maintain it yeah <laughs> like I could talk about a house all day clearly we're yeah. talking about like I, I talk about real estate all day but I've never physically owned a home myself so 
you know, someone would have to tell me you have to clean, clean yeah. these things. <laughs> and a lot of times people don't. I mean, they just don't clean them because they're not thinking of it and yeah. they're thinking how much dust and buildup can get in there. And um, I know that you, you gave Laura the information, right? Mm -hmm. I want to have him on the show so we can talk about that. So we had, I had it done here at the office and I'll be honest, like I was thinking about you with your allergies, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. your allergies are so bad, um, especially in the spring when things are starting that I thought, let's get those cleaned out. I did my house as well. I could not believe what comes out of those ducks. Yeah. The dust is, it, I, I just, I'm, honestly, there's not much that amazes me, but that amazed me. Yeah. So it's important to do it. So Laurie's client probably has forced hot air, and they're thinking about getting their air ducts done before they put the heat on. Mm -hmm. See, we have forced hot water for for our heat, so we don't think about that in the yeah. winter, but in the springtime, certainly. And we're really good about changing out our filters. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. you should be changing out your filters. I, I think we do it every quarter. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah I would say yeah, every quarter. Mm -hmm. Plus, I feel like Mark's pretty good at being on top of, like, that stuff too mm -hmm. and or you <laughs> you <laughs> you looked at me like um it's me <laughs> uh yeah it is me <laughs> and then Elso usually does it for me so thank yeah. you Elso thank you Elso um <laughs> yeah I would say like check your furnace um see if any filters need to be replaced and like mm -hmm. if that's throughout your house any yeah. whatever systems you have that have filters <laughs> you know now mm -hmm. would be the time to sort of check those things and um mm -hmm. and whatever but and uh, it was just something that popped into my head I don't know if it relates to right now, but also smoke detectors, the batteries yeah. in your smoke detectors. Yeah, we always that say too. that, change the batteries in your smoke detectors during daylight savings. Which and is coming up in October. Yeah, right? I know. I was, I was, well, you said it was October earlier, so I was like, is it? I know, it feels like I'm October. losing track <laughs> of the days because it's, you know, the end of September. No. I, I just, no. Can I you believe know. it's end of September? I have some big birthdays in my family this year. So this, this, yeah, so this year in September. So September 28th, um, which is next Wednesday, Casey May, my daughter, turns 28. Mm -hmm. And my sister on the 26th, which is Monday, turns 50. Happy wow. birthday, Liz. Happy birthday, Liz. And then on the 29th, which is what, Friday? Is that Friday? Uh, 29th would be next Thursday. Next Thursday is my mother's birthday, and she's turning 80. Wow. Yeah, so I'm taking them out to dinner. We're going to Stockholders, actually, on nice. um, Sunday for dinner at 3. Yeah, so if, so my mother can still be in bed know, by four. If you want to know where Sharon will be on Sunday at three, it's stockholders. I'll be at stockholders if you want to send around a drink. So well, I'm happy that's to take fun. It. So 50, 28 on the 28th. Yeah. And 80. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, lots of fun. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I digress. So we're still, um, again, you're listening to Chalk Real Estate Roundtable. Tonight our topic is about fall maintenance tips and preparing your home for the fall market, uh, which is always a very, very busy market here in New England. Uh, we have George manning the phones at the WATD studio in Marshfield, 781-837-4900. Uh, and for those of you who don't know, that don't normally listen to us, shame on you no um yeah. <laughs> we give gift cards if you call in so we'll, we're happy to buy you a cup of coffee for calling in and asking us a question so yeah um all right so i, so I just said the smoke detectors um uh, what else we have um do, 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 do. do you need a oh that was on the outside do you need to pump out before your your yard is frozen oh, yeah we missed that on the exterior 
Okay, so let's talk about that. I am like such a pro when it comes to Title V. We're going to have to do another show on that. So I was dealing with that all day today, right? Yeah. You heard me on the phone talking yeah. to the Board of Health and to septic engineers and septic installers. Um, so, yes, if you are thinking about putting your house on the market in the next coming months, do your inspect your Title V inspection now. Especially if, even if you're thinking about putting your house, hey, I'm not going to put my house on the market until the spring of 2023. Spring market of 2023 would be after Super Bowl Sunday, Mm -hmm. which is the first February in the first 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 weekend in February. So you should be thinking about coming on the market. If you're thinking spring market, that would be February, March, right? Well, the ground could still be frozen during that time. And you certainly don't want to price your house. It's it's more it's beneficial to you as a seller to price your house knowing if your system has failed or not already. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like no matter what time of year, you should know. Yeah. You should know if you're going to have to take on one of those expenses or if you, you know, for some reason want the buyer to take on that expense, if it fails, you should mm-hmm. know that before you start marketing your property. Yeah. So can since we're so close to um, Halloween, I'm going to have a little witch session okay Okay. this is a witch session Mm -hmm. so i have been helping a couple family members purchase a home and we have gone to several homes and asked the question to the listing agent to give us information about the septic system is the title five so mark went and mark and i went out one day last week there were so many people at this open house and I actually saw there were so many people and so many cars lined up in the street that we actually witnessed another car coming down the street and taking out the, um, what's the mirror? The, the, yeah. the rear, Not the rear view mirror because that's inside. <laughs> what are the mirrors on the side? The side mirror. Side mirror. <laughs> For lack of knowing what it's really called, I think it's just called the side mirror. Side view. Yeah. Side view. Okay. The side view mirror ripped it right off the car. Like, that's how many people were here. Mark simply asks the listing agent, has Title V been done yet? No. Is it going to be done? I don't know. That is not an answer. I'm sorry. And I know a lot of real estate agents from other companies listen to this show Mm -hmm. because they call in and we're happy with that. Yeah. They tell us that they're listening to us. For the love of Mary, do your job. Yeah. I am tired of it. I'm tired of lackadaisical, is that a word? Agents not doing their job. Yeah. I went to, I went to with Kristen. So um, Kristen wanted a a second set of eyes. So we went uh, together and we were um, going through and I mean, there were a ton of people there and I was like, oh my gosh. Like we were talking the whole time about what we would have done differently. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we, we were talking about like, okay, like this come on and everybody does things differently but i think from a legal standpoint this is your fiduciary responsibility is to your seller but i mean honestly like if you, you don't even know that question if you're going to have the title five well, done we, yeah we got to the point where we're like we're just not yeah. going to bother asking questions because we're not going to get any answers yeah. and to be honest with you we didn't know anybody who would want to move forward with the property anyways so and not only that it's what are the don't get me going don't get don't get going don't yeah don't get me going i mean it's just upsetting because you know what as real estate agents the compensation that we get for the work that we do 
you know, people say real estate agents are overcompensated, right? I feel that the ones who give value are, we're undervalued, <laughs> you know what I mean, for what we actually do. But anyways, that's another story for another day if anyone wants to hear me rant about that. Yeah. And again, there are a lot of great agents out there, by the way, you know, whether they're from Boston Connect Real Estate or from other firms. We have great agents on the South Shore and in this Massachusetts area, but I am not a fan of people who won't answer simple questions. Yeah. You got you to gotta do the work. Well, how am I supposed to find out if you're, is your seller going to be doing a Title V inspection? I don't know. Not, you know, I'm not exactly sure when that's going to be done, but I'll find out for you. I have my own thoughts on that. All right. So, but we have to move on. Um, all right. So, so yes, we, we have it pumped out. You know, the, the ground will freeze. Yeah. Um, do your Title V before that is taken care of. Plus, like, wouldn't you want to know, like, if your system is failing? Yeah. Anyways. And to, I think the pump out, I'm sorry, I digress. Mm-hmm. I'm all over the place tonight for some reason. But um, you did specifically say about getting pumped out. If you're having your system inspected, you do not want to have it pumped yeah. out. Like there are definitely rules and regulations to that. So you can't have it pumped out for, I think, like two weeks before you're having it, the system checked anyways. But definitely verify that with your local board of health because every town is different. Uh, so you want to make sure that you're doing that the right way. But I like to have the uh, my house um, pumped in the fall because that way they're... Like this, you know what I mean? The snow and the grass and everything just goes back where that section is. And when yeah. spring comes, you can't even notice that we did it. Yeah. Um, okay, moving back inside. So I know I said the smoke detectors, uh, carbon monoxides, if they're not combinations. Mm-hmm. Um, the, something that we also learned on the show, I think it was Ken McCormick who's uh, listening. Too. He's watching us on Facebook. Hi, Ken I McCormick. think it was Ken that told us about like the expiration dates on the yes. fire extinguishers. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> you got excited. You thought I was talking about something else. Well, yeah, because the smoke detectors can't be 10 years old. Yeah, so right? they can't so be they 10 to, years old. If yeah. they're older than 10 years old, and again, you're thinking about selling your house, you might as well just change them out. I'm gi- we're giving you some nice fall projects. Yeah. Yeah, we're Sorry, you, we're putting you to work. <laughs> we're giving you a honey-do list. Yeah. I already have my well, honey-do list But going. to be honest with you, and so here, to put yourself in the eyes of the buyers walking through your house. Yeah. The, now the buyers are very savvy, and they, they mm-hmm. are, they because, you know, of the market that we just came out of or that we're going into, yep. they're, they're smart. And mm-hmm. so they're not going to come in there and be like, oh, yeah, like these, all these things are totally fine now. It's like, if you haven't maintained your property, your offers are going to reflect that. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Ken did say that there are expiration dates on the, uh, on the fire, fire extinguishers. To my response was, I wouldn't know how to use one anyways. So I'm just I running just out of the building. The, the, isn't there like a thing I that you no pull idea. and then you I start what comes spraying? Out of it? I don't know. I just Is always think of... Is it foam or something? No, I think it's like it? water. <laughs> it's like a, I don't know. I always think of um, the Santa Claus when he like burns the turkey in the beginning of the movie and then they have to go to IHOP. Yeah, no idea what you're talking about right You've now. You've never seen the Santa Claus? No. Oh, for crying out loud. I like Elf and I will watch it over and over again. Oh, you got to watch the Santa Claus because Bernard, the head elf, was my favorite. It's a great movie, Sharon. We'll have to have a movie night here at the office. Thanks, George. And I've seen Elf, too. They're both good movies. Bring popcorn, yeah. You're not Santa. You smell smell like like beef and cheese cheese. or something. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So fire, I don't know what comes out of a fire extinguisher. If you know what comes out of a fire extinguisher, give us a call. Yeah, let us know. Seven eight one eight three seven forty nine hundred. But um, we should check ours though, and we haven't checked ours in a while here, so we should oh, yeah. check them. Mm. Where is it? I forget. We know exactly where they are, don't we? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're in the closet. There's one downstairs at the oh, bottom yeah, of the yeah, stairs. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah, one yeah. in the back room near the boiler. All right. Well, I think I'm not sure. I think there's maybe <laughs> one upstairs in my office. I have no idea. I don't know why anyone would put a fire extinguisher in my office. Maybe because they think that the fire would start there. But other than that, I'm not going to know how to use oh, it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, maybe we can take a, a course or something. How, how to just, you know. Yeah, I think that's a great prepare idea. Prepare for anything. Well, um. <laughs> since we're there. Hey, Melissa, already, this show has gone so many sideways. I got to tell you a story. Mackenzie... So my daughter Mackenzie works at Salve Regina, and um, she had to leave the other day buy some cupcakes for some event that was going on um, at the school. She came back, and all the fire engines were there and everything, and she the, she, the fire alarms were going off in her. She lives in one of the dorms. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not a student there. She works there. And her apartment is, like, up on the third floor, like, all the way up. Yeah, the penthouse. Yeah, and Tallulah was there. Her dog and she ran in. I go, you ran into a building and didn't even know if it was on fire. And she's like, yeah, I had to get to Lula. Yeah. And I was like, well, what was Tulula doing when you got there? And she's like, standing at the door, wagging her tail. <laughs> yeah. Well, she was ready. She knew that her mother was coming. Yeah. The good news is it only went off because uh, there's no exhaust in the bathroom and someone was taking a hot steamy shower. Oh well. I was making chicken wings at home last night, and the fire alarms were going off. The whole house was filled with smoke, everything. It never <laughs> happened before. I think I used too much oil, but whatever. <laughs> um, right, keep going. Keep going. All right. So, yeah. So, he, we talked about heating system, chimney and fireplace, inspecting clean, um, attic ventilation, make sure the attic ventilation doesn't cover any vents mm-hmm. or anything that's coming out. Uh, again, we've talked about Soffits. that. Yeah. With, with mold, any mm-hmm. issues. Um, like I said in the beginning of the show, go up in your attic. How often do you do that? Not very mm-hmm. often, unless you're getting something out of it. But, you know, take a peek up there. Mm-hmm. Um, take a and, too, that's a good feng shui thing. I mean, hey, I'm all about doing the cleaning. And, you know, if you're thinking about coming on the market in the fall or in the spring or in the winter, again, I think that these are all great months right now because you're one of less inventory rather than one of much. But um, from a feng shui standpoint, cleaning out your attic is the first place you should start because it's heavy. It weighs mm-hmm. heavy on you, mm-hmm. heavy on your head. So get rid of that. Clean the attic. Nothing feels better. Yeah. Other than clean sheet night and balance checkbooks all on the same day. Holy a clean attic moly. is up there too. Clean attic is up there. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so staying on cleaning, uh, clean your oven. <laughs> yeah. And degrease the range hood and filters. Yeah. That could be a safety issue, mm-hmm. especially if you don't have proper ventilation outside. Mm-hmm. Um, you could start a fire, yep. and you better pray to God that we're not there with a the fire extinguisher because <laughs> we don't know how to use it. Done that, been there. Been there, done that. <laughs> yeah, I started. Been there. <laughs> done that, been there. Yeah, I did that. I said. Ken McCormick can attest to it. I think he showed up at my house. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm. I was I was sterilizing bottles. I don't even think you guys have to do that type of stuff anymore, right? Um, I'm not not certain. I don't know. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I, I think, think maybe. maybe. I see it on people's regist- reg- registers. Registers. <laughs> you see people on registries uh, like a like a thing. There's like a machine now. Like yeah. A- see, I don't have a machine. I had a bucket of water, like a big saucepan. I bet your mom would know. 
she probably did it the same way. And then you would put all the bottles and nipples and everything. You'd separate everything, put it in the, and you would boil them. Yeah. I forgot about them. On you the forgot stove. about them. All the water went away. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was a mess. Well, luckily your house still stands. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. Ken was there to save the day. <laughs> yeah. Ken was there. Um, okay. So what else can we say about? Because um, we only have about five minutes left. So for, yeah. for the interior. For the interior, I would say, you know, do the same exercise that you gave the suggestion for the exterior. I mean, walk around your house and see, go go into places where you're normally not going, like into the attic, like you said, into the basement, into crawl spaces. You know, a lot of um, houses, like Cape-style houses, have like the little crawl spaces in the front of the house. Like, open those up, get in there, look and see what is going on, and then... Again, if you're planning on putting your house on the market, it's a really, really good time to start cleaning. That's what I think that the the buyers are looking for right now is, and you hit upon this, before in this reckless market, it did not matter what condition your house was in, you were going to have multiple offers and the buyers didn't care. They would deal with it afterwards. Mm -hmm. We're not there anymore. Now, clean. We're back to like Q-tip clean. Mm -hmm. You need that house spotless. I have a question actually about radon. Do you think it's better to test for radon in the wintertime because everything's closed up? No. No? Well, because, well, it matters who you are, I guess. I mean, if... I'm me. Yeah, if you're the... (laughs) If you are the buyer of a house... Radon fluctuates, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there are so many different variables. We can do, let's do a whole show on radon. Let's get a radon specialist on with us and we'll talk about that. But a short answer for you would be radon... I have had a situation where I had a high radon come back and it was right after a snowstorm. And I just felt as if because of that, that's what caused the high radon. Radon gas had nowhere else to go, so it came into the house, Mm -hmm. like up through the ground. Mm -hmm. And there was a um, a, um, sump pump, pump, and the sump pump wasn't covered, so that's how it easily got into the house. Honestly, once the snow melted and it was retested, it was it was perfect. It was within range. But mm-hmm. I think that that's a good show. Let's do that show. Maybe we can get somebody to come on with us on Saturday. Yeah. Radon's a good one. You know anything about radon? Give, Give us, us a, a ring. Call. Yeah, seven eight one eight two six eight thousand. Well, we only have a few minutes left. Were there any final thoughts for our final seconds here before we tell everybody how they can find us? Honestly, my top tip is to just take a walk. <laughs> take a walk around. <laughs> look at look around your house. I mean, yeah. have have some pride of ownership and mm-hmm. and look at what you have built or mm-hmm. anything you just you want to make sure that this is all and you know even if it's your forever home which you are mm-hmm. living in your forever home you've mm-hmm. made some really great improvements to it but you know you, you want to maintain these things so when you are if you are ready to sell mm-hmm. Somebody's gonna come in here and come into your home and appreciate what you've mm-hmm. what you've maintained and what you've done. So, um, again, like I said, if you don't, your offers will reflect that mm-hmm. because you know buyers are very savvy right yeah. now. Yeah, I mean, we were looking at a house recently, and I made a suggestion on what I felt the the value of that house was, and. You know, everyone's like, wow, that seems really low. And I was like, well, I don't feel as, I feel as if this house is priced by the, by the comps. I don't feel like this house is priced according to the condition that the house is actually in. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. 
So, I mean, there is a difference. And that's why you hire a professional, and that's what we do. If you would like a one-on-one consultation with me and my team, feel free. Oh, Mary Baker is not here with us. Um, She's showing houses. She's showing houses right now. Um, But if you would like a one-on-one consultation with me and my team or one of the other dedicated agents here at Boston Connect Real Estate, we are happy to serve you, and we always put our clients first. So uh, we want to make sure that you're protected for this big investment that you do in your life. So if you're buying or selling, Call us uh, at 781-826-8000. You can also find us past shows, Mel. TalkRealEstateRoundtable.com or you can search for Talk Real Estate Roundtable in your podcast app, um, Apple, Spotify, all that fun stuff. Um, You can go to BostonConnect.com, find all of our contact information. Um, You can also follow us on social media because Mm -hmm. that is another way to find out about all of our wonderful events that we're having for the rest of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's Boston Connect Real Estate and you can go to McNamara Broker Team as well on both Facebook and Instagram. Anything you can go on YouTube. You yeah. can go on YouTube. Find us everywhere. Hey, George, have a great week. And I don't know if we'll see you on Saturday or not, but I think we got Tim. So thank you so much for tonight. Oh, no problem. See you. Uh, bye. bye. Bye, everybody. Take see care. you Saturday. WATD FM Marshfield. WBMS Brockton. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. WATD. Streaming online at 959WATD.com. And with your smart speaker, just by saying play WATD. Hurricane Fiona aftermath. About 80% of Puerto Rico is still without electricity. Taking food out of the mouths of children in need. The scheme worked for about two years. Possible vote in Ukraine breakaway regions to join Russia. It's not clear what will happen. This is the CBS World News Roundup Late Edition. I'm Jennifer Kuyper in Chicago. With much of Puerto Rico without power after Hurricane Fiona... Generators are doing what the power grid cannot. The Category 3 hurricane blasts the Turks in Caicos Islands after leaving at least three dead in Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic. CBS's Christian Benavides. Residents are storm-weary. Blackouts are common. More than 3,000 homes are still covered in blue tarps. Our people has PTSD after Hurricane Maria. We are trying to, to rebuild again, start from scratch. This is who we are. The National Hurricane Center says Fiona is expected to strengthen to a Category 4 storm as it approaches Bermuda Friday. It is not expected to threaten the U.S. mainland. Cristian Benavides, CBS News, Miami. Feds charge 47 people in Minnesota with conspiracy in what's billed as the largest pandemic fraud scheme to date. CBS's Jeff Pegues reports. Prosecutors say the defendants stole more than $250 million in federal money. And while they were supposed to be feeding needy children, they were actually feeding their own appetite for luxury goods, including cars, jewelry, and real estate. Investigators say the suspects generated false names and kept fake logs of the children that they were feeding.
The judge tasked with reviewing evidence the Justice Department collected from Mar-a-Lago is already encountering pushback from former President Trump's legal team. CBS's Scott McFarland. special master selected for this case, federal judge Raymond Deary of New York, got down to business with a 45-minute hearing saying he'd move as quickly as possible through the process and asking Trump's legal team to show some information or details about his claims that he declassified some of those records seized from Mar-a-Lago. The Trump legal team said no that it might compromise their defense if there is an indictment. President Biden says the U.S. is seeing more migrants trying to enter the country from Venezuela and Cuba, and it's difficult to return them to those countries, but... We're working with Mexico and other countries to see if we can stop the flow. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, who sent 50 asylum seekers to Martha's Vineyard, says... Everybody now knows, and it was only because you had to have the elite who want to have the cost on everybody else, and they don't want to have to shoulder that. That's the only reason now people are talking about this. Stocks close lower ahead of the Fed decision on interest rates. The Dow closed down 313 points. NASDAQ plunged 110. Now this. This hour's newscast is presented by Rocket Mortgage. When you need cash out of your home and a simple way to get it, Rocket can. Autumn begins with the autumnal equinox on Thursday at 9.04 p.m. My forecast in the meantime, though, for the night tonight calls for plenty of clouds and some areas of fog. We'll have some drizzle as well, along with a spot shower. The low temperature into the mid-50s. Tomorrow for the day on Wednesday, don't be shocked to wake up to a cloudy sky. But do realize that later into the afternoon, sunshine will be on the increase and it will turn out to be a decent afternoon and a decent day at that matter. The high temperature into the low 70s with a gentle breeze. Tomorrow night, we'll find patchy clouds and starlight. The breeze out of the south. Thursday offers up scattered showers and thundery downpours. Keep that in mind. Some of the thundery downpours could be gusty as well with this approaching front. Temperatures on Thursday top out in the mid-70s. Some of the warmest weather we'll see in a while because by the time we get to Friday, in the wake of that cold front, with sunshine, highs are only into the upper 50s and low 60s. For WATD, I'm meteorologist Josh Nichols. From Boston to the Cape Cod Canal, here topics that affect the South Shore, homegrown or national, big or small. It's time to hear all about Plymouth County. Here's your host, Alex Bazanson. Welcome to another great show of All About Plymouth County. I'm your host, Alex Bazanson. With me in studio tonight is my co-host, Roger Woods, and uh, the one and only birthday boy from Monday Night Talk, Kevin Tachi. Thank Happy you, Kevin. Happy birthday, Kevin. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, you're 39. Sure, pick a number. 49. Been around the sun a few times. <laughs> <coughs> well, welcome, and thank you for coming in on your sure. birthday. Sure. Also in the studio with us tonight is Sarah McCormick from the Whale and Dolphin Conservation. She'll be joining us in a few minutes to talk about what she's doing. Uh, later in the show, we'll be talking with Senator John Keenan. Senator Keenan represents Quincy, Braintree, Holbrook, Abington, Rockland, and probably some other towns that I miss. Uh, he's going to update us on the budget process that was passed in uh, the beginning of August. It's supposed to be July 31st, but it's another July 31st. And uh, what that means for the towns he represents, he'll also be talking about his campaign. He's up for election in November also. Uh, I also want to mention the Abington Copes 5K, which was held this past Sunday. It was the first one that Abington Copes did, and it was a huge success. 
Thank you to all the participants, and thank you to the, all, all the volunteers, and especially Melissa Cook, who was the president and uh, chairman of the organization. This was her first time doing something like that, and she did a great job. She was on your show recently, Kevin, right? Yes, she did uh, the, I want to say, uh, the week before the race last week. And I think she did a great job for somebody who hasn't done a lot of media. It looks yeah. like they had a great turnout, too. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, they raised a lot of money, and it'll go to a lot of good programs. Uh, great uh, cause. Substance abuse uh, programs and such. So, um, Roger, what's new with you? Well, I've just been helping celebrate Kevin Tachi's birthday today. We had <laughs> we decorated the office and we had a cake at lunchtime. It looks great. It, yeah. it, it, I saw all the businesses on Route 18 doing the same thing. Yeah. yeah. You so know, Roger, other, other than that, Roger, every circus needs a clown. Yeah. You're it. Yeah. <laughs> I take the mantle. <laughs> so, um, as everyone probably heard, uh, the final numbers we talked about last week on my campaign, I did uh, win the primary, so it's on to November. Um, we're looking for volunteers, for standouts, for um, phone banking, for anything. So um, if you want to help out, just reach out to us. But uh, we're going to take a quick break now, and then we're going to be back and talk with our first guest, Sarah McCormick. All About Plymouth County is sponsored by State Representative Josh Cutler from the 6th Plymouth District. Serving all or parts of the towns of Duxbury, Halifax, Hanson, Marshfield, and Pembroke. Learn more about Josh at joshcutler.com. Paid for by the Cutler Committee. When you find a good place, you stick with it. Lynch's Tavern in Abington has everything you need to unwind with your friends. Take over a corner of the bar for some lively conversation. Enjoy some cold beer straight from the tap. The bar pizza alone is a good enough reason to spend a night at Lynch's Tavern. Challenge your friends to a game of darts, play your favorite tunes on the jukebox, or instead of fighting your way into Boston the next time there's a game, enjoy watching it on a 60-inch screen TV at Lynch's Tavern. Get some of the best bar pizza on the South Shore and make the most of your night out at Lynch's Tavern, 236 North Ave in Abington. And we're back. This is All About Plymouth County. And I'm your host, Alex Kazanson. And I'm here with Roger Woods and introducing Sarah McCormick. Sarah, welcome. Thanks for having me tonight. So we met Sarah last week right here at WATD when they had their annual open house and they hadn't had that in a couple of years so great uh, event it, it was a great event uh, great attendance and uh, Roger and I were sitting at a table and Sarah come over and said can I sit here we said sure why <laughs> and uh, tell us what you do tell us your background and what you're doing yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm really glad I sat at the right table last week. Um, had no idea I would be here this week, so thank you again. Um, so my name is Sarah McCormick. Like you said, I'm the Stranding Coordinator at Whalen Dolphin Conservation, or WDC. We are a Plymouth-based nonprofit. We're actually an international organization with offices in the UK and Germany as well. I saw that on the website. I was a little confused if I had the right one. Yes, our North American headquarters is based here in Plymouth. Um, and that is where about 10 of us work out of. And it's a full-time job? Correct, yes. Wow. So there are about 10 of us in the office, and we have uh, paid interns as well and volunteers who help us with various tasks. So what's your background? Where did you come from, and uh, how did you get involved with this? Yeah, so I grew up born and raised in New York, 
very far away from the water. Uh, I studied mostly trees and wetlands, things like that, and I went and ran my school's marine lab on an island off the coast of Maine after graduating and just fell in love with the marine environment. I met people who did stranding response work through that job and I was immediately hooked. So I spent some time bouncing around the country in temporary positions, in part-time jobs and volunteer roles, just gaining experience with live and, and deceased stranded marine mammals. So whales, dolphins, seals, sea lions, all sorts of marine mammals. Where'd you go to school? I went to Cornell University oh, in Ithaca, you. New York. So nice. again, landlocked university. Yeah. Not did too not, many whales up there. No, dolphins. they did not have a marine biology program. You know what's strange? When you go up to the University of Vermont, there's a whale's tail right on the side of the highway up there. Really? Yeah. Hmm. And I've never figured out why that's up there. Wishful thinking? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> They're nowhere near the ocean either. Um, so tell us a little bit about your program and uh, what it actually does and what's, what's the purpose. Yeah, so as the stranding coordinator at WDC, I oversee one of our main programs. So I oversee our Marine Animal Rescue and Response Program. In addition to that program, we have a formal education program where we go into schools and have festivals um, or, and uh, just really chat with people about basic biology of marine mammals and let them know about threats that they face. We have a boater education program as well, where we work with boaters, both recreational, commercial, uh, competitive, and just inform them of marine mammals that exist in these waters and ways that they can keep themselves and the animal safe. And we are also involved in a lot of policy work. So we serve on these teams that provide expert advice to government officials and stakeholders and try to guide them through that work. Um, the work that I oversee is um, we rescue and respond to live and dead marine mammals from Plymouth, Massachusetts up to Marshfield to the North River. Um, we have a 24-hour hotline that is always glued to one of us and we can take calls from the general public when they come across a, um, a seal that seems sick or injured or a dolphin or a whale on the beach and they have concerns, they can call us and we can do an assessment on the animal uh, try to figure out what's going on with it, provide some veterinary care, and potentially transfer it to a rehabilitation center for more um, more advanced care if needed. Or we can just relocate it to another beach if the animal is just in a busy location but is otherwise okay. So uh, somewhere like uh, New England Aquarium or something? So New England Aquarium doesn't do rehabilitation. So it would be with one of our partners at the National Marine Life Center, which is in Buzzards Bay, Marine Mammals of Maine, which is in, um, I believe, Brunswick, Maine. Mystic Aquarium has a rehab program. And then the next closest one is on Long Island in New York. So very few places where we can bring sick or injured marine mammals. Yeah. So, uh, I, I, Roger, if I could just jump uh, jump ahead of you real quick. It's your birthday. Feel free. <laughs> just can sk you can skip right just, over just, me. That's all right. Just don't blow out the candle shit. Um, <clears throat> is it, it, you know, you got whales and, and dolphins. Why were these two mammals chosen? It sounds as though you may rescue or save other animals like seals and maybe turtles. Yes? No, we actually don't. Uh, at this at this point in time, we're still growing. Uh, we don't uh, 
dabble in the sea turtle world yet. So whale and dolphin conservation is, um, you know, was formed with the intention of conserving whales and dolphins. And it wasn't until we received the federal stranding agreement this past year, last August, or sorry, last October, um, that we started to focus on seals as well. So within our response area here along the, the South Shore, we do primarily see stranded seals. Mm -hmm. We do get the occasional dolphin or whale, and I'm just gonna go ahead and knock on wood because we are a fairly superstitious bunch in this field. Um, so, you know, I joke we're whale and dolphin conservation, but mostly seals because that is primarily the species, the taxa that I work with. The rest of my colleagues do focus on whales and dolphins primarily. Is it a higher probability that you see whales than dolphins? I'm trying to think as to if I've heard any news reports in the past couple of years that there was a dolphin somehow involved or beached. Yeah, um, it does happen. We have responded to dolphins in this area since getting the stranding agreement from the National Oceani Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA, last year. So I think it's easy for people to hop on a, um, on a responsible whale watching vessel in this area and see whales in the area. You can go to known places like Manament Point and see seals in this area. But it's a little bit harder to get your eyes on dolphins. They are transient. They're usually just making their way through this area. But you can in the summertime um, and really year round, you can see dolphins, but you just have to be in the right place at the right time. Yeah, they're mostly down south, aren't they? Uh, we do get them here yeah. off of Stellwagen Bank. They do come in the bay mm -hmm. and, and we have had a handful of stranded dolphins. Yeah, that's right. I've, yeah. yeah, Cape Cod actually is... A, a hot spot for really? live stranded dolphins so it's one of the busiest places in the world for that and um, you know we are part of NOAA's greater Atlantic region which is comprised of organizations from Maine all the way to Virginia and it's a really collaborative network of organizations that do this similar type of work so we do work with our colleagues at the International Fund for Animal Welfare or IFA on Cape Cod uh, whenever they do have large events you know mass strandings of dolphins or large whales on the beach. We do try to, to lend a hand to them because we do know that if there is some sort of event in our response area, we are going to rely on our neighbors for that sort of support. Do you have a hotline number that people could call? Why don't you give the hotline number and then explain what, what you would want them to call about so they can be specific? Yeah, great question. So we do have a hotline number. That number is 617-688-6872. And that number, if you didn't have a, a pen paper on you, can be found on our website, which is nice and easy to remember. That's whales.org. And you can find information about all of our offices there. Um, so if you are walking down the beach and you come across a seal on the beach, it, it's a situation where we like to say, hurry up and wait. So it's not an immediate emergency just because a seal is on the beach because they do come on the beach to rest, to get warm for a number of reasons. So we do ask that you keep your distance. Marine mammals are protected and, and it is a recommended distance of 150 feet away from any um, marine mammal. So we keep a distance, 
But if you are concerned about the animal, take some photos. Uh, again, from a distance, we can find out a lot of information from those pictures. They can tell us how many people we might need to respond to an animal, how, what equipment to bring. Um, note your location. If you do have a smartphone and you can drop a pin or get GPS coordinates, that's going to be the most helpful. If you don't, just note landmarks in the area, lifeguard stands, uh, things like that on the beach that can help our team find an animal if you can't stay in the area. Um, and, uh, you know, call our hotline, um, let's see, call our hotline, pictures, location, photos. Um, those are the, the really important steps there. And um, our team will guide you through the next steps. We might ask you to stand by. Um, we might ask you to describe the animal's behavior as well, um, just while we're gathering our team and our equipment and, and get out there. So how many whales, uh, you hear every year that, you know, the same whales are back and forth around Plymouth and uh, Stellwagen. How many whales are there in this area? Are, are they all humpback whales or right whales or what are they? Well, it depends on the time of year. So um, it definitely varies uh, by time of year. So right now I can give you an example. The other day, WDC and our colleagues at the Atlantic White Shark Conservancy in Chatham co-hosted a fundraising cruise. Um, it was a fantastic day on the water and we saw about 40 to 50 humpback whales. We saw fin whales, we saw minke whales, we saw a white shark off the beach as well wow. and some ocean sunfish. So I mean there are still a lot of animals out there right now. I will say we will start to see those humpback numbers go down a little bit um, and then in the early early spring late winter time we will have almost the entire north atlantic right whale population in cape cod bay which is incredible because they are critically endangered and there are fewer than 350 of them left in the wow. world so it's a really really um really great place to be here in cape cod bay and you said most of them throughout the whole world are here or? yes exactly so in that late winter early spring time those animals do migrate into the bay, um, and then they'll spend a few months there before making their way north to Canada. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So how do people, how, how is this funded? Is it uh, federal government or uh, donations only? We have a few sources. So we do, we are partially funded by the federal government. There's a competitive grant process that takes place called the Prescott Grant Program, uh, where you do have to apply and try to receive those funds. Uh, we do things like whale adoptions, where anyone can log on to our website, whales.org, and symbolically adopt a humpback whale or an orca. How much does it cost to adopt a whale? Ooh, don't quote me on this, and our, our comms team won't be happy that, about go, go this. High, go high with the number. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, um, let I me see. I think Do it was I, about $100, okay. but please don't quote me on that, and I apologize to my boss for not knowing that. Um, so well, again, it's on the website. Symbolic adoptions, personal donations, and then other foundations as well. All right. So what, what do you teach the average weekend boater you know um in new hampshire you have to have a boater's license in order to operate even a jet ski up there now um massachusetts doesn't require yet a license yet, yet. right and, and the problem is you know people can go out and they go to the boat show and say oh that's a great boat and they'll finance it and they buy it and they've never been on a boat before you know so that that's a problem you know 
Uh, I used to have a boat in uh, Plymouth Bay for years, and um, a lot of things you see out there, the, you know the person shouldn't be driving a boat. And this past summer, you know, we saw that with uh, some people, probably experienced boaters, but, you know, way too close to the whales. So how, how, what do you teach them, and uh, how, how does that happen? Sure. So we have a number of programs that we run with some network partners. So um, one of them is called CS Spout, and that one is target that program specifically is targeted towards recreational boaters and there is we designed a um <laughs> thank you for that uh i'm told that a whale adoption is fifty dollars thank you alex <laughs> um so <laughs> see us so you can buy two now yeah you can <laughs> buy two uh see us about and that was for holly thank you uh see us about targeted toward towards recreational boaters and teaches them the you know, how to responsibly boat around marine wildlife, not just whales. And there is actually a free course that we are sponsoring right now that takes about a half hour and the first 300 people to complete the course get a free pair of polarized sunglasses. Um, you can visit that course at seaspout.org. Um, we also have a program called Share, Share the Seas that is more targeted towards sailors. So things like dropping their sails when they're around whales. Um, uh, so just tips like that. And then we are also, we also oversee a program called Whale Sense. That is a um, program that we run with commercial whale watching companies. So all of the local boats around here, the Captain John boats, the Dolphin Fleet boats, those companies are all, they all take certain trainings and they have our stamp of approval, meaning that they do responsibly whale watch. They keep distance uh, from whales and they don't approach them. They don't harass them, things like that. So um, anyone can go and get involved with any one of those programs. For example, um, you mentioned those whales that came to Plymouth this summer and um, unfortunately one did get injured there was a f there were a few collisions with boats and whales so we were doing a lot of outreach from shore so we don't you know we're not an authority any sort of authority right. um, we just want to make sure people are keeping whales safe but first and foremost we want to make sure that people are staying safe human safety is always going to be our number one priority we were communicating to the public that most of these whales were twice as big as the boats we were seeing right. off of Manament Point this year. And these whales could unintentionally cause harm, injury, you know, or worse. So we really are just, we went out there and we were just chatting with the public, letting them know what species they were seeing, how they can keep those animals safe, keeping that distance of 150 feet away at least. Um, with right whales, it's, it's, um, an even larger distance away. It's 500 yards away because there are so few of them. I thought so, and I kept hearing on the news 100 feet, 100 feet, and I, I knew it had to be more than that. <laughs> and I was going to mention about the incident over the summer because I think most of us, if not all of us, when you think of whales, you think of taking the, going on the tour, you know, whale watching every yeah, summer, and, and then yeah. now you have to have the thought of it could be an incident with a boat like like what's happened because it just seems that there's more whales, you know, seals, uh, sharks, everything in our area, meaning, you know, the, the salt shore, the Cape, 
than you know when we were kids right, say yeah. you, you know but it just seems to be a more a more uh congested area these days with with boaters in with the uh with the fish do you track the whales um i know on your website you name them but um are they actually tagged uh, or, or tracked we don't personally track them there are researchers along both coasts, I mean internationally really, that will apply tags temporarily. The tags that go on to large whale species are not meant to be long-term really, um, so they do pop off after a certain period of time. Um, so we don't personally do that sort of work. We do track the life history of whales. We, as an organization, have historically collected what we call photo ID images to be able to tell the the story of these whales. So there are some whales that we know of that come back to these waters year after year. We know who their calves are. We know who their grand calves are. And we can really tell the life wow. history for years and years and years. And that's really incredible stuff. Um, but no, we don't actually apply any tags. I have a question, and you had mentioned earlier if someone happened upon a, a beached uh, animal, whether it's a whale or a dolphin or a seal, and you gave all great uh, pointers as to help, how to help locate said animal, help the teams locate it, uh, how about as far as for those who um, happen upon maybe a stern warning as to uh, keeping the distance, and, and, and maybe if they could stay with the animal, fine, but don't try to be a, a, a veterinarian or, or yeah. whatever, whatever whatever the term is for someone who would assist or, or provide medical assistance to these animals. Yeah, sure. So we do have... Um we do have some vet veterinarians that we work with, so we do ask the public that if they do come across an animal, even if it seems like an emergency, one of the worst things you can do is approach that animal because it can get stressed out, yep. return to the water, and not be able to receive that, that care that our team, that our veterinarians could provide to that animal. So the best thing you can do is stop, call our hotline, Again, note your location, take some photos from a distance. Again, our hotline number is 617-688-6872. And you can find information about our program at whales.org. Um, stop, call us, and we will send a team out to assess the animal and to determine if, if some sort of intervention is needed and what level of intervention is needed. What kind of medical care do we need to provide to this animal? How long do these whales live, the right whales? And uh, oh, sorry. So they do have, <laughs> they do have uh, fairly long lifespans. However, we are seeing a lot of them uh, dying right now due to uh, human impacts. So yeah. that is cutting their lifespan significantly. Um, and just for reference, uh, you know, th there were, I think the estimate was about 500 right whales only maybe seven years ago. And now we're down really? to 350 of them or fewer than that. So you can see how, how, um, how few or how how quickly that number is dropping, uh, which is why we are concerned. So we are seeing. I mean, there there is definitely natural disease happening as well, old age. But we are seeing a number of large whales experiencing signs of vessel strikes, yep. as well as entanglements. So we are, as you know, WDC. We are collaborating with with engineers, with local fishermen to try to advance that technology to um, 
you know, to l explore things we call on-demand fishing or ropeless fishing gear to try to remove that line from the water column because, you know, we enjoy seafood. I think all of us as, you know, people in New England, it's one of the reasons why we enjoy living here. So we really want to find a way to coexist. Um, and that's why it's important to be working with these fishermen on these advancements. I know there, uh, so there's some legislation now and the lobster fishermen are not happy about it. Um, I don't know the details on it. Maybe our next guest, uh, might know. Senator, Senator Keenan might uh, know some of that. Um, but I know it's a big problem. What about um, the plastic bags and um, pollution in the uh, ocean? Pollution, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, any bit helps. Any plastic we can keep out of the water certainly helps the animals. Um, I will, you know, in marine mammals, we we do see some entanglement. It's not so much, you know, plastic bags that we see. It is more just debris in the water, things that people don't think about. So aerobie frisbees. So those frisbees that have the hollow center that fly, oh, yeah. they go super far. Um, things like that we've seen, toilet seats that have been tossed into the ocean around animals. Um, so it, it's the, the objects that people don't think about that we do see um, harming those animals. That, that being said, we do see the occasional plastic bag, DVD, it, things like that. So anything really? we can keep out of the water that can only help these animals. So if people want to donate, how would they do that? And do you have fundraisers during the year? Or? Yeah, the, I would say to visit our website, whales.org. Um, we have whale adoptions there, which we now know are $50 <laughs> an animal. Thank you again, Alex. Um, Great idea for a gift, too. It what is. Do you think yeah. about it, it is. really it is. is. We like do with somebody's birthday, you might want to <laughs> donate and name a whale after do them. Do we want to name a whale after I can't think tonight? of anybody I know who's having a birthday hmm. I'd want to do it for. but I think if someone did it in my own, I would name those whales um, Roger and Alex. <laughs> Wow. We'll there's, keep that there's in 100. mind. Are you saying that we're a lodge? <laughs> keep no, that in mind. They're good names. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, um, we have a store that we can run where any proceeds from our T-shirts, from our water bottle, sweatshirts, things like that, go to support our programs. Um, you can, you know, there are just so many ways we look for people to get involved with advocacy as well. So signing on to any petitions we have going, learning about those and getting involved. Um, that's another way you can support us if you can't financially. You can follow us on social media. That is also helpful. Um, we, we push all of our information through that. Um, we're on Facebook, on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Um, so you can find some more information there. And you said that uh, off the air that you visit schools with a big inflatable whale? We do, yes. So the star of our office, her name is Delilah. She is named after a real whale, but she is a 46-foot life-size inflatable North Atlantic right whale. So our team members do bring Delilah to schools, to local festivals, things like that. And you can actually go inside of Delilah and see her organs, and we can wow. teach people about the threats that animals like Delilah face. So incredible teaching tool. Uh, we love her. So you can find out where she will be on our website. We keep that scheduled live. Uh, she does go into a little bit of a hibernation, I will say, in the winter. You won't find her as at as many um, public events in, in the wintertime. But, you know, if you are interested in having Delilah come to your school or an event you're having, you can find out more information on our website. Yeah, let me, let me just mention that, too. It's whales.org 
for everybody out there listening. And the hotline number again was 617-688-6872. All right, we're going to take a break. You're listening to All About Plymouth County on 95.9 WATD, and we'll be right back. For over 20 years, NT1 has been providing reliable business phone service to Massachusetts businesses and municipalities. Are you a town or city official struggling to manage and maintain all your different municipal phone systems and service providers? Netel One can help by consolidating all your municipal buildings, including schools, to one simple cloud phone solution, giving your municipality site-to-site dialing, transferring, simplified management, and many other benefits. Best of all, it will be implemented and maintained by a local South Shore company. The service at Nettel One is unmatched. Just ask your South Shore neighbors in Hanover and Pembroke. Nettel One is a state-approved vendor under contract ITT-72. With Nettel One, your town will be the talk of the South Shore. Call 781-843-3733 or visit GoNT1.com. That's G-O-N-T, the number one, dot com. All About Plymouth County is sponsored by State Representative Josh Cutler from the 6th Plymouth District. Serving all or parts of the towns of Duxbury, Halifax, Hanson, Marshfield, and Pembroke. Learn more about Josh at joshcutler.com. Paid for by the Cutler Committee. There are lots of reasons to go to Abington Sunoco. And one of the most important is the security that comes with their best in the industry warranty. All mechanical repairs are 100% warranted, and that's for parts and labor for two years or 24,000 miles. Purchase an interstate battery, and if you have any issues in four years, they'll replace it for free. No prorated baloney, just a free battery. After oil changes, brake pads are one of the most frequently needed services. And at Abington Sunoco, brake pads are covered by the same unsurpassed warranty. Their preventative maintenance services include enhancements from BG products. You need to ask about this. It's free, and a qualified vehicle can get protection for life. It's even transferable to a new owner. As if all this wasn't security enough, Abington Sunoco even offers 24-hour roadside assistance for all their service customers. There are lots of reasons to go to Abington Sunoco, the intersections of routes 18 and 139, and online at abingtonsunoco.com. All right, we're back. You're listening to All About Plymouth County on 95.9 WATD. And in studio now with us is Senator John Keenan. Welcome, Senator. Thank you. Great to be here. Senator Keenan is the senator for Quincy, Braintree, Holbrook, Abington, Rockland. Pretty good. Yes, that's that's right now. And then uh, with the redistricting, Hanover's been added to the Norfolk and Plymouth District. Which one? Han- oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Now you're going to be my mother's senator also. Well, we'll hopefully the election will go well enough that I will be able to represent the town of Hanover. Yeah, you do have a, an election coming up, uh, as do I, uh, all November 8th, correct? November 8th. Um, how's it going? It's busy, but it's going well. Yeah. So I wanted to talk um, a little bit about um, the budget process and what you were able to get for your towns and um, some of the things uh, going forward. The budget's always supposed to be done by July 31st, am I correct? Yes, and, supposed and, to be and, done. And no, actually done by June 30th because uh, it takes effect on July 1st. Oh, that, first that's day what, that's what I meant, yeah. Right. And it's never... The date you use is actually seems to be more accurate yeah, as to right. when it ultimately <laughs> yeah, gets passed. Yeah, yeah. 
So um, give us a little uh, background on yourself, first of all, for the, since you're running for office, so people that might not know you. Um, give us some background on you and uh, how long you've been a senator. Sure, thank you. Uh, I've been a senator for the last 12 years now. I'm in my 12th year representing, as you said, Quincy, Braintree, Abington, Rockland, and Holbrook. And prior to that, I had served on the Quincy City Council for about nine years, and just before that had served as chief of staff to Mayor Sheets in the city of Quincy. And um, I also, at a point um, when I was on the city council, my full-time job was the director of a public pension system, Norfolk County Pension System, which had about 10,000 active and retired members and about 500 plus million dollars in assets. So that kept me pretty busy. So very well-rounded, uh, great background to be a senator. Uh, I will mention that uh, uh, Mayor Sheets was my professor at Quincy College for state and local government and public speaking. He did that for a number of years. Yeah, yeah. I was one of his students. Uh, yeah, he was a great guy. And uh, Jay McRitchie was in his administration. Oh, yes. Also, yeah, I grew up with Jay. Yeah. Yeah, Jay served in several administrations as either assistant city solicitor or, or a city solicitor. Yeah, yeah. So, um, tell us a little bit about the uh, whole budget process and... Um, you know, some of the stuff you were able to get for your towns. Sure, so the budget process is, is kind of a year-round process. Once we pass a budget, then the work begins on preparing for the next, next fiscal year's budget. So right now, we are in fiscal year 2023. Uh, the budget passed beyond June 30th, uh, but nonetheless, it did pass. And so we're preparing now for the next fiscal year budget. Over the course of the next several months, the uh, Ways and Means Committees of both the House and the Senate and the Governor's Budget Team will be meeting with all the agencies and commissions and boards and uh, the executive uh, branch uh, departments. And they will determine what the needs are for the next fiscal year. And then in December, we'll start the process of trying to determine how much money will be available for the next fiscal year and try to reach a consensus number. That's a number that the, both the governor and the legislature come to agreement on, and it sets kind of the, the, the limits on what it is that can be spent. So that will occur in December. The governor will submit his budget in January. The, we'll look at that budget to see what the governor's priorities are. And then we will, uh, the House will pass, will move uh, to introduce their budget in April and we'll act on their budget in April and the Senate follows suit in May. If there are differences between the House and Senate budget, and there always are, then it goes to what they call a conference committee. And that conference committee comes up with a consensus or agreed upon budget that then goes before the House and Senate for an up or down yes or no vote. In the process, uh, the the role of a legislator or a member of the House of Representatives or a member of the Senate is to advocate early on, starting right now for the next fiscal year. And my advocacy focuses mainly on getting as much money as possible in local aid. Chapter 70 school funding is always a top priority. And we uh, were able to provide record amounts of school funding uh, in fiscal year 2023. And then also there is general unrestricted government aid and that money is used by cities and towns to help with DPW, police, fire, veteran services, senior services, all those types of uh, programs that are offered through the town's various departments. And so we advocate very strongly for that. That's our first priority. That's the money that municipalities, cities and towns really rely on to deliver local services. So, um, and then you put in earmarks, I guess they call it. Um, so each one of the towns, a town manager or a selectman or whatever, would uh, reach out to you and say, we need $100,000 to do a water study. 
Right, so we do a lot of those types of things. I think I've heard that before. Um, and um, we, depending on the fiscal state of the Commonwealth, the financial situation, we may have the opportunity to do uh, local earmarks. How much depends on really how well the Commonwealth is doing. And so uh, this past year, things were doing pretty well, so we were able to provide earmarks, uh, local priorities, and it ranged in my district from things like water studies to help address the PFAS issue um, to uh, money for senior centers, uh, streets and sidewalk work beyond what we do with our Chapter 90, which is um, our main road funding program. We're also able to get some uh, critical funding for the Plymouth County Fire Chiefs Association. They use that for the regional dispatch. So we try to focus on all those different types of local things that sometimes just aren't big enough to make their way right. into the budget overall, but when money is available, we try to make them a priority as well. So, uh, speaking about the PFAS, um, as you know, Abington Rockland Joint Waterworks has a, a, a problem. We we are addressing it. It's not as bad as you would think on Facebook, mm -hmm. uh, but um, I guess it's just one of our sources, and that's the uh, reservoir on Hingham Street, is still slightly elevated. And um, as you probably know, at our last town meeting, we voted $13 million, along with Rockman voting $13 million, to uh, buy filters to helpfully, hopefully uh, solve that problem. And our numbers, uh, our last numbers were only 22, I think, in uh, that Hannigan re Reservoir. And the other numbers are down. So that's definitely going to help and probably bring our numbers down below. But um, we have a serious water problem, as you know. Yes. So we have land in Union Point, as does Rockland, and we don't have water for them. So is there anything on the state level that um, is going to be able to help us with that? Well, there... Um both the combination of state and, and federal, uh, with the federal infrastructure bill, and then also the state uh, has passed, uh, at least the House and Senate have individually passed, and are reconciling the differences to send it to the, go send it to the governor, an economic development bill. And within uh, the combination of those two bills will make resources available. Uh, some of it will be by competitive grant, other will be by formula, uh, but there should be resources available. Uh, Abington and Rockland uh, are not unique in terms of facing some serious water issues and serious sewer issues. Um, you know, the state is looking for all communities to do more for housing. And yet there are some communities that can't because of their infrastructure problems. And so if the state is serious about providing housing, it's going to have to assist municipalities with their infrastructure needs, particularly water and sewer. And we see that in both Abington and Rockland and uh, some of the other t communities that I represent. Quincy is in a bit different of, of a situation because it is hooked up to the MWRA. Uh, Braintree is working with Randolph and Holbrook on their joint waterworks uh, program on uh, building new facility. Uh, but you know, there is a concern in pretty much every community about how to address water shortages going forward and how to uh, address sewer uh, demands. Is there enough capacity with MWRA to, you know, run a pipe into Abington and Rockland? There is. How how extensive the MWRA or how uh, why uh, how, you know, how it can spread out? I, I don't know, but I know that there was serious consideration given to running water through Braintree and then into Union Point and then perhaps beyond Union Point. Right. Um, 
with a, an MWRA hookup. The, uh, some of the infrastructure is there, at least until Braintree, and then it would require work through Braintree and further south in order to bring the water down. The, the issue has always been that the MWRA has a pretty high hookup fee and it is sometimes cost prohibitive for towns. We've approached the MWRA with the idea that perhaps you can waive that fee, reduce that fee for some municipalities, but uh, the cost of the infrastructure is, their response is that the cost of the infrastructure is so great that they've got to be very careful upon of any consideration of doing that. So yes, the MWRA has a lot of water. It was down into the, the Quabbin Reservoir was down, I believe, into the lower to mid 90s, like 92%, 93% of capacity. So even with the drought that we've had, uh, they still had plenty of water. And when things are going really well, there's literally water going over the dam, so to speak, right. um, that you know, it goes unclaimed because the, the reservoir is pretty full. So uh, Sarah's sitting here. She was our first guest, and she's from the Whale and Dolphin uh, conser- Conservation. And uh, we were talking earlier about um, some of the things that are hurting the whales. And one is the lobster traps and lines. Uh, What can you tell us about uh, the legislation for that? Uh, There's been various bills proposed. There's been various efforts to get uh, kind of the regulations lessened a little bit. You know, the um, local lobster fleet... Uh, there's a period of time where it cannot go out and fish and usually that's through the I think the end of April but that was extended this past year and that is a cause for concern they can fish in federal waters but they can't fish in state waters and the concern is that that the the ropes and everything that they use for the lobster traps um, uh, are of concern to the whale population and so there are uh, some efforts to use some experimental lobster traps lineless traps where the trap is dropped and there's some sort of a uh, a balloon uh, that would elevate the trap. It's all done um, electronically. Or, or With your iPhone? <laughs> yes. I, I mean, I, I, I guess probably is. Wow. iPhone, iPad. With a tablet, essentially. Yes. Really? Um, so that technology is there. Like everything else, it's expensive, and, and the industry is looking at if you really want us to make this switch, perhaps you've got to provide some assistance to us. Yeah, I mean, the love's the amount of hardworking loves the people. Uh, hard-working people out there on those boats, and most of them are, uh, own one boat, and uh, they're, you know, self-employed. Um, it, that's going to be very expensive for them to do something like that. Right. Um, you know, if, if we're, we're serious about protecting the environment, protecting the whale population, which plays a very important role in, you know, the, the condition of our uh, offshore waters, then we've got to find a way, and it may require some state or federal assistance uh, to the to the lobster industry to to get them to the point where they can use this new technology, and everybody everybody benefits. Right. So, since you've been a senator, I, I've known you since you first became a senator, and uh, you were there when we started the Abington Substance Abuse Coalition, which is now Abington Copes, and they had a great uh, 5K this past weekend, and that's something you've worked on. Uh, for several years up on uh, Beacon Hill. Tell us about some of your work on that. Yeah, we've, um, when I first got to the legislature, we found that our prescription monitoring program, which is the ability to determine how many prescriptions were there were relative to opioids, uh, wasn't in good shape. So we set about updating the prescription monitoring program, requiring physicians to use it, because we knew that the pathway to addiction at that time was through prescription 
prescription opioids. Um, prescribing practices have changed rather dramatically. They're down 40, 50% on the number of prescriptions and pills that are prescribed, but we're still seeing a, a pretty significant level of addiction. And part of that is, as we were making progress before the pandemic, uh, fentanyl was introduced and then the pandemic hit and the combination of fentanyl and the pandemic have been devastating. We've now seen opioid overdose deaths rise again. Before the pandemic, we were bending the curve. We were making progress as a result of uh, multiple pieces of legislation, awareness within the prescribing community, and work by organizations such as Abington Copes, which, you know, and the Substance Abuse Coalition that you started here in the town that you played such an important role in. Uh, all of that was bending the curve. And then the pandemic hit, fentanyl was introduced right at about the same time, and it has had a devastating impact all across Massachusetts and all across the country. Yeah, we, uh, Roger and I, uh, have a friend of ours that actually passed two weeks ago, a fentanyl overdose. 40, 45 years 45 old. 45 years yeah. old. You know, so it's not just young kids. It's, uh, yeah, it's uh, devastating for a lot of families. Yeah. And, and, and if I can just have one thing that we're seeing now is everybody's focused on fentanyl and uh, the danger of fentanyl, uh, but the use of stimulants is making a comeback, particularly cocaine. And yes. uh, cocaine yeah. is oftentimes mixed with fentanyl. So right. somebody who thinks that they're just doing cocaine um, is actually doing cocaine and mixed with fentanyl. And because they, they don't have an opioid tolerance you know, with just a very little amount of fentanyl mixed in with cocaine can be deadly for them. And uh, there's just tragic stories out there where that has occurred. Yeah, it it's, doesn't seem like it's getting better. Like you said, it was a little bit, but now it's going the other way. Um, another thing that's been in the news is um, checks to taxpayers. Uh, what's going on with that? Yeah, so there was a law that was passed back in uh, the late 1980s that basically uh, said that if the increases in wages uh, are outpaced by the increase in, in revenue, that the difference would go back. So if revenue, uh, uh, revenues were so much higher than, than wage growth, then money would go back to the taxpayers. It's happened once and it was fairly minimal. I can't remember what it was. It resulted in tens of dollars going back to, to individual taxpayers. Uh, because the revenue, the state's revenues have been so high, um, the law was triggered again. And this time the amount going back to taxpayers is estimated to be uh, in the aggregate of about $2.9 billion. And that will go back to taxpayers proportional to the amount that they paid to the state. The law says that the money would go back in the form of a tax credit in the next tax year. But the governor is uh, at the point where uh, rebate checks will basically be issued exactly when we're not sure, but most likely sometime in November. So that'll be great for some families for Christmas. It, it will be. Yeah. It'll, and in some cases, it'll be substantial. So why are we seeing... Um such a sur surplus? Is it uh, sports betting, uh, cannabis? Uh? Those help, but we've got a very low unemployment rate here in Massachusetts. And so income taxes uh, are high. And also there's a lot of money in the economy and that's good and bad. It contributes to inflation, but it also results in sales. And we, our economy is, is built, um, uh, it's, it's consumer driven. And people are still spending money. And so our sales tax numbers are high as well. So when you look at income tax and our sales tax numbers and then other revenues that have come in because of um, other taxes that we have, 
the, the state has had a very healthy revenue picture for the last couple of years. There is some concern, and we'll start to see that concern expressed when we come up with a consensus revenue figure within the next couple of months for what's next. And uh, there um, is a concern that we may see our revenues start to um, level off, and yet cost will still increase. One thing that we have been able to do over the last uh, couple of years is considerably increase our rainy day fund, our stabilization account. By the end of the fiscal year, it's estimated that we may have $8 billion in our stabilization wow. account. And prior to the pandemic, it was somewhere between, uh, you know, right, right around $2 billion. And so it's a substantial increase in our stabilization account. We were able to put that money away. We were also able to pay some money in advance towards our pension obligation, which, which ultimately helps taxpayers as nice. well. Um, some of the towns, like Abington, had voted to allow cannabis in their towns. And we signed host agreements with um, up to 3% we could charge, and then we get 3% back from the state. So the new legislature, legislation is changing that. Is that going to be retroactive? I've heard that it could be retroactive, and that could be a huge blow to some of these towns. Yes, I, I'd have to go back and review the final language. My recollection was that that issue was raised, that those who had entered into agreements and had budgeted for those revenues, it would be unfair to take those away. Going forward, certainly, um, those those agreements will be monitored. In fact, those agreements will go to the state to make sure that they're somewhat standardized and that there's, uh, one community is not benefiting more than another. And uh, that you know, the the terms uh, are not overly overly burdensome. There were some c concerns raised as a result of what happened in some of the municipalities um, in the process of reaching these agreements. Thankfully, not in this area, but down in the Fall River area, right. um, you know, there was a, a pretty big issue of um, how those agreements were being reached, and uh, uh, the mayor down there ultimately went to jail because of it. Right. So um, Abington only has one store open now, and Already, the I see it all the time. Right when I come down Route 18, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, luckily for Abington, they did about ten million dollars last year. We got a check for about three hundred thousand mm -hmm. from them, and about three hundred from the state. And we have um, four more in the works. We're not sure they'll all open up, but um, we have to look at all those host agreements now. Correct? And, yes. And, and change them. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly on the change, but. Um Yes, there'll be a review of them. Um, what ultimately comes of it is uncertain because there, there is that question of retroactivity um, and contracts that were entered into between two parties. Can you retroactively impact those agreements? Right. So I mentioned sports betting earlier. Um, that's going to be a thing. So is that going to be just a certain amount, just like the casinos, um, limited number, and you have to apply for those? Yes, so each casino will have the ability to partner, will take bets on site, and when the bets are made in person, there'll be a 15% tax on those. And each casino will have the ability to partner with two mobile platforms. And when the bets are placed remotely, then those bets will be taxed at 20%, which is competitive with what most states do. And then additionally, there will be seven standalone, like, I mean, that's not the best ways, but seven individual remote applications. Which um, have nothing to do with the casinos. Nothing to do with the casinos, that they will be able to um, have these online platforms. Seven entities will be able to do that, or seven licenses will be granted. So they'll pay their license fee, they'll pay the percentage, whether it's 15 or 20% in tax. Uh, the big issue as that 
uh, bill made its way through the legislature was on what to do with college sports. The presidents of the Division One programs here in Massachusetts did not want to have sports betting on their college athletics. So the compromise that was reached is that you cannot bet on college sports, Massachusetts college sports, if you live in Massachusetts, unless those college sports are in some sort of a tournament play or final, you know, into March Madness or something like that. But we could bet on any other college. Yes, I you see. could bet on colleges outside of Massachusetts. I see. Okay. So, uh, where's Kevin? We have a uh, birthday cake for Kevin Tarchi. I'm glad oh. you're all here. Kevin, where are you? So, Lisa brought <laughs> cupcakes for Kevin, and he walked out of the room. Today is Kevin Tarchi's birthday. Kevin is the host of Monday Night Talk, and you've been on his show many yes. times, I'm sure. That's great. And I just came for the cupcakes, and uh, Sarah hung if around. If he's not in the room, he should forfeit his cupcake. He should. But we have six of them here, and I... Oh, Crayola cupcakes. So, anyway, I think that's about the time we have... Unless Sarah's going to sing happy birthday. Just going to ask if that was a requirement of being on the show. Your, your first time, yeah. You have to, you have to sing happy I'll birthday. I'll spare you all. <laughs> Senator, thank you for coming tonight. Thank we know you. it's a uh, busy, busy time um, for you. and it, It's great to have you come in and be able to talk so everybody out there can find out what's going on. And uh, Sarah, it was great to have you on, too, and bring us up to date on what's going on with the, uh, with the conservation issue. I just want to give her a number again. Yeah. Um, it's whales.org if you want to check their website. And their hotline number is 617-688-6872. And, Senator, do you have any campaign events coming up? Uh, no, just out and about, going to as many local meetings and everything else. But um, folks can check out my website, KeenanForSenate.com. Very Thank good. You. And we'll see you next time here on All About Plymouth County. I'm on your host, Alex Bazanson. WATD 95.9 FM. All right, good night. ATD FM Marshfield, WBMS Brockton. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. WATD. Streaming online at 959WATD.com and with your smart speaker just by saying play WATD. This is CBS News on the Hour, sponsored by Dell Small Business. I'm Jennifer Kuyper in Chicago. Republican governors have been sending more migrants from the U.S. border with Mexico to Democratic strongholds. Texas Governor Greg Abbott says he's sending a message to the president. He has no idea, just like most people in the United States of America had no idea about what was going on on the border. And so I figured if Joe Biden will not come to the border, we will take the border to Joe Biden. 
There's new legal action over the transporting of migrants. Migrants from Venezuela, flown from Texas to Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts, have sued Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and his transportation secretary. The suit says they engaged in, quote, a fraudulent and discriminatory scheme to relocate them. It alleges the migrants were falsely told they were going to Boston or Washington, D.C., and were induced with $10 McDonald's gift cards. Jim Crisilda, CBS News. Hurricane Fiona is moving through the Caribbean as a Category 3 storm with sustained winds over 115 miles per hour. Puerto Rico got almost three feet of rain and 80% of the island is in the dark. CBS's David Begno is there. In Salinas, we caught up with Puerto Rico's Governor Pedro Pierluisi, who predicted that the power is going to be on soon. A substantial majority of the customers will get their power back by the end of the day tomorrow. Really? Yeah, but I'm not talking 100% at all. Near where the governor surveyed damage, one farmer in Salinas called this the worst catastrophe in 20 years. Plantains, bananas, all underwater, ruined. The Food and Drug Administration acknowledges missteps in its response to the U.S. infant formula shortage. CBS's Linda Kenyon has the latest. A new report finds the agency was slowed by delays in processing a whistleblower complaint on test samples from the nation's largest baby formula factory. The report cited inadequate staffing and training among its food inspectors and poor visibility into formula supply chains and manufacturing. A company whistleblower had tried to warn the FDA of problems at the plant in September of 2021. But government inspectors didn't investigate the complaints until February after four infants became sick and two died. The FDA is still investigating any links between those illnesses and the formula. Linda Kenyon, CBS News. Instead of using federal pandemic funds to provide meals to low-income children, feds say 47 people in Minnesota stole $250 million and used it to buy luxury cars, property, and jewelry. U.S.